Hi there, welcome to Conversations, where we seek to advance your leader in team excellence by discussing relevant topics that impact today's organizations. Welcome to the show. You know, where Bellum asked the questions about um, the needs, and we asked it at three levels, if you'll remember. We asked, what do you need to be a better leader? What does your team need to do better? And what does the organization need? And interestingly, uh, communication fell in the top three of all of those responses. But for the leader, interestingly, the number one answer was that they felt they needed to be better at communicating. Take that the next step. And the team felt, you know, appreciate this, um, both of you, Dr. Whalen, Dr. Purdue, but the number one, the highest item was that they felt their team needed psychological safety and then communication and then collaboration. But when you get to the organization, it's really interesting where this fell, the the top item was was really a, the, the capability and the skill within the organization. So now we're talking about just a general skill set. And some folks even said a basic skill set. And then the number two item was communication and then, uh, then efficiency. So it, it, I thought it was really interesting to take a look at those three things together to see how that fit and didn't fit when you're looking at the organization and you're looking at the team, you're looking at the leader, what's needed along the pathway while that communication was there across the board, you know, and to your point, the confidence of the leader, what, you know, that had been lowered. The one kind of data point that stuck out was that the, the, the organizational, I think from 2020 to 2021 uh, trended up, but the, the leader, the leader themselves, the competency, trended down. And so, Dr. Wider, when you, so, I'm, so my brain is working, right? I'm like, well, wh why was that, right? And so <laughs> what I saw, what, what you said was psychological safety was the top, you know, I, I guess, issue for uh, individuals and teams. Um, and then, you know, org went to capabilities and skills or, or the, the top issue. But it made me think about uh, Maslow's hierarchy. And it made me think about the environment. Again, going back to that, you know, the, the complexity and the challenge. And when, as an individual, if we're unable to focus at the, you know, self-actualization or self-esteem or that confidence level to have that ability to understand your strengths and work on them constantly because we're, folk, we're, we're, we're thinking about our safety and security, then that challenges a leader to then be able to create a psychologically safe environment for their team. So part of it is it goes back to kind of the the, the leaders, the, the being able to take care of themselves. Dr. Will, and you mentioned earlier about, you know, their suffering. Well, you got to, you know, really focus on, that, that, again, that self-care and that ability to to, to, to have that, that self-awareness of, hey, I'm creating environments that are less psychologically safe for my people. I'm delegating work less because maybe I'm feeling like the need to command and control or be a little bit more, um, 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 you know, responsible for, for these numbers. I'm going to work long hours to make sure things happen. I'm not delegating as much. So there's a, there's a number of reasons behind it. Uh, to your point, Dr. Dr. Wider, about assessing. So the assessment Yes, is at an organizational level, but it's also, I think, as coaches, we can help at an individual level 
with leaders to really find out what's going on and how they can, um, you know, really um, create a more psychologically safe environment for themselves. In fact, there's a assessment called safety that looks at the different triggers for each individual that can be used as both with a leader and with teams. So there's different ways to us to, to, to get to the root cause, if you will, of some of these, um, some of your, the, the great uh, insights that you have from the survey. Yeah. What's interesting is around communication, uh, teams and leaders and teams can think that they're communicating all day long, but what are they communicating? And so many times when I worked with teams and done the psychological safety assessment, um, you know, those those conversations, the, the conversations that need to be had aren't being had. And so it's up to the coach to come in then and really look at what is that elephant in the room and how can we bring that out in a safe space, creating psychological safety. And part of that for a coach, especially when you're working with teams, is to be able to model what that looks like. You know, how am I entering the room? How am I allowing all the voices to come into the room where there is not going to be judgment? And it goes back to really having those agreements on the front end before you're even doing that work. How are we going to show up as a team? And how am I showing up as a coach? How are we going to communicate? People just think words is communication, right? Just words, 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 words. We need to see what are those words and how are they landing? Yeah, so, so much uh, that, that uh, communication is all, often the word used for um, so many other root cause challenges. Right? <laughs> so always, it's like it's communication problem, really. So let's, let's peel back the onion a little bit. and, and, and uh, That's right. Well, yeah, within that, you have expectations, you have feedback. You know, I hear I hear so many people just and this isn't even in coaching conversations, but in just those professional conversations that say, I don't know where I stand. Um, I don't really understand the expectation. I'm not getting feedback. And, you know, those types of what we might consider some basic skill organizational skill in communicating they're not happening um and again you know there's evaluations of the organizations taking a look at what what is the communication so just to your point my first question when i saw that to ourselves is i said you know oh we need to delve into this a little bit in the next survey uh when we do that um but taking a look at that so but I thought it really was important that that psychological safety was really, it honestly was the number one in what leaders felt that their team needed, you know, uh, in order to be successful. And so, um, you know, when you're looking at that component, it'd be good to even ascertain how does the team feel? Is it safe or not? And, and yeah, there's a lot of components to that. So, And then the, the other one comes to mind is like strategic or vision. So you think about strategic communications and part of, I think what was going on in 21 was some, it was weird, right? There were some layoffs. Some, some companies were, were having some challenges, but it was also this great, was it the great resignation. So there's a little bit of, um, you know, uh, the layoffs as well as people resigning, but as 
a communicator, if you're communicating only tactically and not really communicating strategically, where, you know, where are we going? What's the vision over the next 12, 18 months? How are we going to get there? And um, perhaps more importantly, how does the work that you do as someone that I'm leading or that as a leader uh, looks at his teams and organization, how does at an individual level, the work that they do contribute Mm -hmm. to the vision or the goal? So the purpose of their work aligning with the mission of the organization. So communication, again, is the word, but there's so many offshoots of it, of which strategy and being able to align a person's internal assignment or motivation towards the overall organizational motivation could be a way to address psychological safety, right? Depending on what the root cause of it is called. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just, in adding to that, you know, I was having a conversation with a, with a leader who runs a firm, a coaching firm uh, actually yesterday. And one of the things that we were talking about, just what you were talking about, Dr. Purdue, this vision, but I would also take it a step further and put it and call it maybe even context. So, mm-hmm. you know, helping folks to understand, you know, all the pieces and how they fit together and how what they're doing, there's the vision, you know, but there's also this context and we lost a lot of contextual space over the last couple of years when people are just, you know, they don't want to be in a Zoom call, but, but so they get the tap, they get the meeting done, but you've lost context. You've, you've created in so many ways in organizations have created kind of silos. You don't have time for some of just that organizational knowledge that gets transferred from this whole thing we call being present. And anyway, so it's, it's, I think it's, uh, and how do you build context? How do you get context to folks? How do you help them see the integration of what they're doing and how it fits into the organization and why it's a necessary component in getting to the vision. Mm -hmm. So, and completing the mission. Dr. Purdue, your point uh, around visioning and Dr. Wider, your point around context, we can bring that back to to strengths and to Clifton strengths. And, and we know that people who are deep strategic thinkers, maybe, maybe they're not expressing that vision. And so it's really important for people who, who do have that role of casting vision, if they are high intellection, other um, you know, strategic thinking strengths that they are bringing that to their people, painting their people into that picture. And Dr. Wyatt, around context, not everybody has that strength. I know that you do, and you are wonderful at bringing context to things. Uh, but who 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 can bring that context? Who on our team can bring that, especially if it's not happening? And, and these are areas that teams really should be looking at. You know, when we take a look at teams and, and look at the function of their strengths, how can we be leaning in on people where maybe I'm, I don't have that strength, but I know you have that strength. And we partner mm-hmm. together to, to cast that vision and to create that context, to be painting our, pic, our people into that picture. Because that doesn't come easily for everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, these are good questions. I mean, you've been working a lot with with teams, Dr. Whalen. I mean, how are you seeing the effects of some of this that we're talking about roll into those teams that you're working with? Yeah, as far as strengths? Strengths, as well as both uh, the visioning, the context, and the challenges yeah. uh, that leaders are experiencing. Yeah. Well, it's really important. I, I love strengths, and that, that will always be a piece of an engagement as long as, as an organization is willing. And I think that that opens the door. It opens the eyes and it opens the door for work, good work to be done within teams. And it's not about just creating let's just say a strengths grid for a team, you know, have, taking them through the assessment, um, you know, creating excitement around uh, their team grid. We have to do more than that because we can't mm -hmm. just put that in a drawer and forget about it. We have to be reminded of who on the team is operating best in what capacity based on their strengths. And again, how are we partnering to create those goals? If we have a goal and there are tasks to do, you know, who is going to be uh, the one or two people that maybe are going to handle uh, an aspect of that. And so really mm -hmm. having an understanding of self first and then of, of other awareness as well is always helpful. And one of the things I'm, I'm trying to do right now is to help create a culture of or strengths-based culture, right, where, where it's not just about to your point, Dr. Whalen, you 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 want to understand yourself, um, and you want to you know understand how your strengths work together as a team. But I think you know, Dr. Wider, you mentioned context and and where there's you know high context in the culture where it's like we just know, we just know, we know, we know what to do, how to think, how to act, how to behave. Low context where it's like we got to spend twenty minutes in every meeting setting the context, right? But when you just are able to as a culture. Um, know how to name, claim, and aim your strengths okay. towards um, a business problem or a business challenge or uh, uh, an initiative, and it's just part of what we do. It's just, it's just, you know, it's high context. We just, don't, yeah. we just already know that we're going to do it. That's to me a, 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 the arc of where having that that that, that culture that um, is is not just a, a strengths based kind of thinking culture, but where there's strengths based acting and behaving. And that's where um, I know for some of the work that I'm trying to do um, 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 is, is we're kind of in that, in that arc. So I may be calling on you a little bit more, uh, Dr. Whalen, to help me uh, figure that one out. But <laughs> since I'm a newbie in strengths and you're not. <laughs> well, we're all, we're all, yeah, we're, we'll have to change that on the website to add that as soon as you are, have that blessing. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> but all of this fits into there's there's been some language around this this thing called holding space. People trying to create a space mm -hmm. for the thinking and for the doing. So there's there's been a lot of language. You'll hear somebody say, I'm holding space for that. Um, and I think, first of all, that's good. Uh, but it also goes into this thinking, this critical thinking component that there used to be time for, but there hasn't been a time for. So the necessary element of that leaders kind of using that term, I need to hold space for this or I'm holding space for this. And then then using that space, kind of warding off the pressure a little bit, giving that verbal cue 
but then using that space. Because when you're looking to at the organizational memory, which is a part of context, there's in organizations, if people don't have the memory, you can really quickly lose the context and lose the collaboration and lose the integration. So you, now you're back cycling around to things like recruitment and retention in the organization, because when you have people, when let's say you just have one or two people who've been with the organization 30 years, and then the next person who's been there the longest is 10, you've got a big gap of some context that has happened. Why was this decision made? When was it made? How does this happen? What happened in that decision? Not just that we tried to do this before, but what of that failed? You know, now we're looking at organizational change and and development um, matters. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of pieces with the context. Um, we can go on and on in this. Yeah. yeah. No, it's interesting. Um, again, such a, a an astute observation. I wonder if and this is, could be a, a potential question, but I wonder if you ask a leader what keeps you know the, them up at night, is it context? So it's almost like the it was a Jahari window where there's a, some some un, some uh, unknown unknowns where things <laughs> may not even be understood, and and it also may not even be understood how big of a of a deal product product production wise or, or being being productive and or even, you know, um, making profits or effectiveness and efficiency towards your business goals, um, that kind con- of context situation or context conversation or, or an issue would, would have. So part of the thinking is, you know, that maybe there's a, um, a need to help raise some of that awareness of, of that, because I, I, I see that I see it as a bigger, uh, as a, as a problem as well. Um, both from the workforce perspective, from a generational perspective. Um, mm-hmm. And I see it where a lot of newer leaders are being um, put in positions of, you know, mid mid or upper senior level leadership that may think that context doesn't matter, where there's a little bit more of, I got to focus on more of the hard skills, the technical skills and components to do my job, but not so much be as focused on some of the um, the soft skills or the cultural elements that context usually really helps with. So be interested in this, you know, I'm curious as to kind of where that, that goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that's important for, for teams and, and that can go to the organizational level is to really take a look, you know, at the historical view, where have we, where have we been, and where are we now? And when we do that with teams, uh, you know, because we have people coming in and out of teams, it's important for new team members to understand the makeup of the team and where it has been, why uh, it was created. Um, and so I, I, I think, you know, even when you are entering into the onboarding process and helping people understand where the organization has come from. I think that that's important then to keep that going because if, if we, you know, no people aren't staying with, with organizations for 30 years, you know, yes, we do have people who, who have, and those are the ones who are now retiring out, but for the generations who, you know, move from 
one organization to another, there's still uh, benefits for them to understand the the foundation of that organization and and their part in it as they grow. Sounds like a white paper. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking the same thing when we started talking. I thought we got to get a transcription of this. So. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be edited out. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's so much. There's so much work to do. So much work to do. Yes, there is. Uh-huh. Yeah. There really is. You know, and, and so much of it, I think, still goes back to starting with that awareness. You know, what is our awareness as coaches? What is a client awareness? How do we draw that out? How do we make that known to them? Awareness of their situation, awareness of their strengths, awareness of their team, awareness of the organization, you know, and and building that, drawing it out and expanding it, you know, past the immediate needs and and of course, you talk about that a lot, Dr. Purdue, with the hierarchy of needs, but that awareness still has to happen so that the, you know, the um, uh, just the, the best of who people are can can be known and come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be known. Mm-hmm. That, that, that kind of goes to the importance of the leader coach not just as coach and or like you know we tend to think of this box of of leadership coach which is extremely important but the leadership consultant to someone to 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 actually be able to to assess to to create that awareness to come to a set of findings and conclusions and recommendations to then provide a a path forward towards the achievement of some business and or leadership slash cultural organizational um, vision or goal set of goals and that roadmap of things, including coaching, including yeah. um, more strengths finder assessments, including potentially uh, uh, um, emotional intelligence assessments, psychological assessments, things, things, things of that nature that are um, important along the path of, of becoming a, creating a, an organization that has a higher set of um, well-functioning, higher level competent, higher level competency and skilled leaders as well as team and organizational high-performing um, groups. So um, love the, the, the thinking, uh, Dr. Wider and, and, and Dr. Whalen, just because it, it reminds me of the, this, the framework of, and the importance of a leader consultant in, in the coaching realm. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that that's, that can be missed. It can be missed when, when we call ourselves coach, those of us who work within and with organizations, there is so much more that we bring. Uh, Because we have been educated and trained up in that way, and not all coaches have been. And I think it's, you know, it's always a buyer beware market when we talk about coaches, and understanding that, just because you have a coach or you're calling a coach in, it's important for organizations to be understanding not only the capabilities and what that coach brings, but the broader lens that they can bring to the organization, especially if there is a need. Mm-hmm. There's more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I think I'm going to have to add this here, but I think it's one of the reasons why we're going to see the emergence and development of coaching and organizations is because there's more than one type of need within the organization Mm -hmm. and being able to assess that and bring a, forgive the language, a package or maybe even a holistic approach. That's probably better to the organization for what they need um, is even more critical than ever before. That's what Bellum Leaders is about. I know. I know. (laughs) Sure is. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this has been a terrific conversation. I always appreciate both of you coming on and it's, it goes by really quickly all the time. Uh, but just it, it, you know, Dr. Purdue, you said, you know, kind of brings, brings things back to top of mind and, uh, it is important for, for leaders. We're leaders. It's important for us to, uh, you know, to talk about what we're experiencing, uh, in and around the, the workplace, the workforce in hopes that, uh, those who are, are tuning in can take some nuggets away, can, you know, have a better understanding of both, you know, the client as well as the coach or consultant um, realm for us. So I appreciate you. I thank you. Yeah. Welcome. All right. You're welcome. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Appreciate it. Thanks.